0: Life's good! Never on! Whoa! Hard! Hard. Hard Hardly! Come on, friends! Life good!
1: Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it
0: for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hi. How's it going? Oh, I, it's going well. I've, I've got a bit of a slow
1: internet connection here today.
0: That's weird, because I do not, and we are in the same place. Weird, right? It's very, very strange. <laughs> oh, there she goes. There we Good go. Enough. But Good So enough. we're here in the nation's capital, Oh yep. and uh, here we are, middle of August, first spiels on the, the circuit, kicking off soon, if not this week, actually. So... It's time to start looking at actual curling schedules. And what we wanted to do this week was look at the way teams have built their schedules for really the fall. Because once you get into the late part of December, around New Year's, sort of the post-Christmas, post-New Year's period, there's those two grand slams, uh, and then that's it, really. And teams are in playdowns. And if you're lucky enough to the Briar Scotties, mm-hmm. World Championship so on. So really, the the way in which teams construct their schedule happens in the fall. So we wanted to look at how teams have done that, and you know we could look at the Holmans and the Joneses and the Cooys, uh, the Kevin Cooys, <laughs> um, but. We decided that, you know, most people are going to be familiar, generally speaking, with the spiels those teams play in. Certainly teams like uh, Rachel Holman, uh, they limit what they do in the early part of the season. They tend to go to the same spiels. They keep their travel to the major spiels. But what we wanted to do is look at some of the teams that have to struggle and play a lot in order to qualify for the Grand Slams. Maybe get a shot at the Canada Cup, not this year, but next year. And to really work the, the curling tour in order to qualify for these big events. So we've picked two women's teams, two men's teams, that are sort of on the fringe of being automatic qualifiers for Grand Slams. And looking at how they have decided to structure their schedules in order to earn points while also getting enough rest to be a top form for the big events. So we've picked two men's teams, two women's teams. That's right. And let's start with the women's teams, because here's the the, the two we've picked here are going to have the biggest difference in schedule, largely owing to where they're playing from. So for the women's side, we've selected Carrie Galusha mm-hmm. and Holly Duncan. So Carrie Galusha, most people are going to be familiar with. She is the, what seems like 87 time defending champion of Northwest Territories. <laughs> curling. obviously it's not the 87, but she has been in 11, 12 Scotties representing yeah. the Northwest Territories. Holly Duncan made her first Scotties as a skip last year, winning Ontario for the first time. So just based on geography here, Scotty, very different schedules.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very different. Of course, we know of of the struggles of teams from the north coming down to play in in spiels. But with the help of a a great group of sponsors, Team Galusha here, it looks like they're playing in quite a few spiels uh, before, you know, the the hearts come up. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven events
0: for them. Yeah, it's a pretty big schedule for them, and, and they've talked a lot about the biggest problem for them once they get to the Scotties is playing on ice that they don't have the opportunity to play in mm-hmm. up north, that they have to come south to play in these larger events on arena ice, or at least arena-type ice.
1: Yeah, most of these events that I'm looking at uh, for them are curling club events. Yes. But uh, they're in in the south with a stronger field than... than uh they would get up north, obviously.
0: Yeah, and playing in these sorts of events, it, it has to be a long-term thing for Calgary and really any team from the north, because you take this season, you play in these events, hopefully you can build points that would put you in a position where you could qualify for a Grand Slam, even mm-hmm. a Tier Two, a Tier Two event of, yeah. uh, of the Grand Slam that would get you into an arena. Situation earlier in the season, so you have more opportunity to to play for it. So if we look at the Carrie Galusha schedule, she's starting in Edmonton on September 27th through the 30th at the Avenair Cash Spiel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then the following weekend, they are coming east, and they're going to play at the Stu Sells Tanker. That's probably their biggest event that's on their schedule. That's a major event.
1: There's, there's two Stussell Stankards. So there's one in Oakville yes. that's at the beginning of September, and then there's this one at the beginning of October that's in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Toronto. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, both of them are big events, uh, big events on the cash spiel circuit. Uh, so Team Galusha is playing in this one in October. Then moving on to Kempville about a month later. So I, I assume they'll go home. That'd be my guess. And we'll come back uh, to the Royal LePage Fall Classic in Kempville. Uh, just outside Ottawa here Yep. Uh, from the 1st to 4th of November so that's the first weekend of November and then the very next weekend back out west to Alberta so uh, the Crestwood Ladies Classic in Edmonton and then the weekend after that again the Red Deer Curling Classic in Red Deer so it's three weekends in a row in November sort of ramping up for that uh, push towards making the Scotties that starts in January and uh, it's interesting to see okay we're gonna play in toronto take three weeks off where there's there's no curling and then come back and and go to campville even like uh it's pretty far uh, uh, it's time change there's not a lot of places to stay in Kemville, but i'm sure that the host committee do a good job of finding places for people to stay and yeah it's not that far from ottawa so no,
0: and, and if you look at this, this to where they're flying into and out of, the only place I'm not sure, I don't know what Toronto has in terms of Toronto to Yellowknife uh, flights, but mm-hmm. certainly I know Ed- Edmonton and Ottawa, you can fly direct. That's right. From Yellowknife to these cities. So, in terms of travel, you're not looking at to get to an event, uh, at least on the first event off of the, the travel, you're not looking at a two or three flight situation. So, in terms of the mm-hmm. logistics of getting around, it's not cheap, of course, to fly from the north to the south. We learned that uh, when we played the team from Nunavut last year, and they explained some of the challenges <laughs> they were having mm-hmm. in terms of getting around. But if you can minimize the disruption as much as possible, obviously that's ideal. And having the first event in the travel schedule being in Edmonton, Edmonton and then in near Ottawa so they're obviously you're going to fly to Ottawa for the event in chemville that does minimize some of the disruption
1: that's right yeah and and I'm not finding any direct flights from from Toronto to YZF Yellowknife but uh, flights are anywhere from like 530 540 all the way up to nine hundred thousand dollars. so yeah it's not a cheap uh cheap ticket even to go to Toronto so
0: no and you're bringing down everyone with you and the, the baggage that mm-hmm. you have to bring to play in an event. So, yeah, you're right. It's not a cheap, cheap thing. But when you look at the way they've structured this schedule, it makes a lot of sense yep. that you play in the West, you want to come East as well because you're playing different teams and, and so on and so forth. Edmonton to Toronto and Edmonton to Ottawa, very simple mm-hmm. in terms of the travel. You can do it pretty easily. It's not like you're flying from... I mean, Ottawa is somewhere, like, if you want to play in an event in Saskatoon, Regina, a little more complicated because yep. direct flights are lesser, <laughs> harder to come by. So in terms of the structure of the schedule, it makes a lot of sense in the way that they've done it. And like you say, two trips down to the south is only going to be a good thing for this team, I would think.
1: Right, and then, you know, they've got the, the Northwest Territories Women's Championship, you know, yep. after that, which... We'll, we would be surprised if they didn't qualify out of that, uh, and then a trip to the Scotties. So that's a third trip that's going to be happening south. So when you start to think about all these uh,
0: flights and whatnot, it really starts to add up. Yeah, and one of the thing, one of the good things I think for this team is that, uh, as it's listed here, that the women's curling championship is going to be in Yellowknife. Uh, if, if I remember last year, it was up somewhere in the north. Uh, the the provincial championships okay. or the territorial championships, excuse me, were up further north. So that was an added flight that they had mm. to go further now to go further north. Uh, I remember Jamie Cooey had tweeted about this himself when they were going up north for those those championships. So that takes away a potential flight that you could have for the, the territorial championships, and then the Scotties is in Sydney, Nova Scotia. I'm going to take a shot in the dark here, Scotty, <laughs> that there is not a direct flight between Yellowknife and Sydney, Nova Scotia.
1: Well, there's very few direct flights to Sydney, Nova Scotia <laughs> from anywhere. Uh, as someone who's forecast for the airport there in uh, Sydney, it's
0: uh, it's not uh, not a hot spot. I would even go so far as to suggest that there might not be any direct flights between Yellowknife and Halifax. Uh,
1: yeah, I'd say you're probably right. There. <laughs> so
0: you might get one to Montreal. I mean, if there's none, know.
1: if there's none to Toronto, the, the Halifax, no.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. So
1: yeah, it's going to be uh, you know it's going to be a tough road to hoe, but it's really good to see that team galusha getting the chance to play uh in quite a few events and it's thanks to uh they've got eight sponsors here listed on their yep on their website uh all s- seems i'm not going to read them all because that seems like a lot of work but and they're not giving us <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest about True. That. yeah so uh yeah it's great that they've got the support of a lot of uh, local businesses and a lot of uh, national uh, type things like Asham Curling uh, is one of their sponsors. So. Yeah, and
0: the thing with Carrie Galusha too that I'm always sh- stunned—not stunned, but like it, it always—I'm always sort of reminded that whenever they interview either of her brothers or her dad, and the question is, "Who's the best shot maker right. in the family?" All of them, without reservation, say they that care. it's Carrie. Yeah. Uh, so it, that really always stands out to me is that that it's. It's obviously not a question of talent. It's a question of reps and the the struggle and the challenge to get reps repeatedly on the type of surface that you see at the Scotties. So the opportunity to get some reps at these events will be really good. I almost put this team at this point in the Krista McCarvel category of Mm. they're good and they go and they're competitive, but if they had the opportunity to play more, that they could be a top team. Oh, big time, and
1: and uh, they've added uh, Brittany Tran to their team this year. Uh, she played with Jerry Lynn Ramsey last year for sure, maybe before. Uh, she's another young player, in addition to Sarah Colton being on the team. Yep. Uh some, some good young curling talent being given reps, not only in these cash spiels, but uh, presumably at the Scotties this year. So it seems like the team is taking an approach to try and grow at least their team and grow curling in the Northwest Territories by adding some of these young, very talented players.
0: Yeah, it's a very good strategy that we've seen out of Carrie Galusha and the team there from Yellowknife. So that's their schedule. Now, a team that doesn't have quite the same logistical challenges is Team Holly Duncan. Right, right. So uh,
1: they're from Ontario, uh, I believe two of them are from the south and two of them are from here in Ottawa. So uh, it's it's a mix, mixed location sort yes. of team, right? So you say, oh, they're all from Ontario. Well, Ontario's pretty big. It is. Right? And we've seen this with, say, Krista McCarvel's team uh, and Kendra Lilly living in Sudbury with the rest of them living in Thunder Bay. <laughs> it's not always easy to coordinate schedules, be able to practice together, let alone go to bond Spiels. So they're... Uh, the uh, team duncan schedule for the season coming up is a little bit i, I won't say lighter it's this oh i will this is a
0: limited schedule this is definitely a limited schedule but it's it's still five Spiels before it's five play-downs events. events it's really five events and then you're in playdowns yeah so they they're kicking off with the stusells oakville tankard so that's a major get your legs under you spiel yeah a lot of teams playing that the Holman team has played in that year after year very popular spiel. Mm-hmm. And then the Shorty Jenkins, another popular spiel. Yeah, a
1: very popular one down in Cornwall. Uh, so you're getting uh, southern Ontario, you're getting eastern Ontario in there. Yeah. And then they're going back down to Toronto a couple weeks later for that sells Toronto Tankard that first weekend of October like we talked about.
0: Yeah. And then uh, a few weeks later, the weekend leading into Halloween, they're playing the Gord Carroll Curling Classic in Whitby. And then the one time that they're going to travel, in terms of air travel, I presume, I mean, you could drive this if you wanted, I'm going to assume that they won't, the Spitfire Arms cash spiel out in Windsor, Nova Scotia.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that seems uh, like a good chance to go and get get some more reps, get some money, uh, and, and solidify your spot going into the uh, Ontario curling sort of season. So there's the curl-on cash spiel, uh, there's... There's one, one, other, one or two, and those cash spiels uh, give qualifications into the provincials.
0: But here's why I'm confused about how this is listed on their schedule. that They have an automatic entry into the Ontario Scotties.
1: Having one last having
0: year. Having one last year. So I'm not entirely sure how these Curl Ontario cash spiels work, because the two that are post-New Year's are listed as if necessary. So you're right that there are play-down type events. But if they have this automatic entry because they won last year, which has been traditional, that they should be good to go. So they because they don't have uh,
1: Steph LeDrew on their team anymore, she's uh, taken a step back from curling this year. So I, I don't think that would have any impact, given what we've seen uh, with other teams, yeah. say Jennifer Jones. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe uh, it's a way to go get reps. Maybe it's um, something else I'm not thinking of. Who knows?
0: Yeah, but but anyway, so maybe it, Team Holly Duncan can get in touch with yeah, us. Yeah, Team us Holly Duncan can let us know. Uh, if, if maybe if they don't have that automatic entry, and we're just uh, assuming facts not in evidence here. <laughs> um, but when I look at the schedule, I, I what I take out of this schedule, and if especially when we compare it to the two schedules we'll look at on the men's side, that these are t- two teams... I mean, Kerry Galouche is a, obviously a, an interesting, unique case because mm-hmm. of the logistics, but for Holly Duncan and this team here, this is a schedule that, to me, is designed to hopefully get you ready for those provincial playdowns and put you in a good spot, but it's not a schedule that is designed to accumulate a lot of points. This is not a schedule that's going to get you unless you win the Scotties entry into the Canada Cup next year for instance you're it, the, the volume of events isn't quite there so this this to me is a schedule that is very uh, specific to the Scotties and maybe reflects the time commitments that this team has uh, both inside and outside the, the, the sport sure but it's it's not like what we've seen in the past with someone like Chelsea Carey Who's out there every weekend trying to get the points to, to accumulate. And it yeah, could also be reflective yeah. that it's uh, the first year of the Olympic cycle. And you don't need to get points this year.
1: No, that's true. That's true. So it's a chance for a lot of teams to take it a bit easier, you know. But it does seem to me like the both of these teams are trying to make it so that they can at least try and earn their money back for... For what they're putting into it, you know, uh, right. entry fees and travel, uh, traveling to practice as well. So yeah, get a few events and try and try and you know score some some money under your feet. And yep. like you say, get ready for those provincial championships. Yeah, and
0: again, no no hints on either one of these schedules for grand slams or anything like that. So uh, there's no expectation of qualifying for those events this season. Right. So we'll see what happens in the future For these two teams So let's transfer that over to the men's side Where we're going to look at two teams That are Very much going to Play a lot and really Going to go hard for some points In an attempt to qualify For Grand Slams this season Yes. So let's start We're going to look at people who used to play together Because <laughs> um, it's fun To do that so let's start with uh, Matt Dunstone's team Team Dunstone, and this is a, a new team on the docket here, and they are going to be, uh, excuse me, aggressive in their schedule. Yeah,
1: this is a really, really ambitious schedule, I would say, in looking at it. There's uh, there's 11 events before New Year's. Now, three of them are... Or two of them are Grand Slam events, and one is the Canada Cup. They're listed on here, and they've they've still got to qualify for those events. Yes. Uh, but still, holy cow, it's a it's a really heavy schedule. It's sort of all over the place. Uh, they start with the Icebreaker uh, Spiel in Winnipeg uh, at the end of this month. The next weekend to the Oakville
0: uh, s- Fall Classic, then the next weekend to the Stu Oakville Tankard, which makes sense, right? There's this the <coughs> Fall Classic ends on September second. Then the Tankard starts on the sixth. Yeah, it makes so sense it makes to, stay, sense for to sure. stay and to play two in Oakville.
1: But it's uh, and then they have a weekend off, and then another weekend back in Saskatoon for the College Clean Restoration Classic. So that's four Spiels in five weeks. Yes, that's uh, that's hitting the ground hard, you know.
0: Yeah, and also in three different time zones. That's right. Which yeah. I realize it's only. Uh, they're only changing an hour at a time, but still, it's something to, to think about, at oh, least, And how they're going to do it. And then they take a couple weeks off, because there's not really much going on. I believe the Elite 10 is going to happen during that time, the That's first right. World Cup event is yep. going to happen during that time. Then you have the Canada Inns Men's Classic at Portage la Prairie. The the Canada Inns. Canada Inns. I always say that wrong. You I always, always say Canada. A. I always add an A uh, to it.
1: Uh, <laughs> you'll learn one day.
0: And then they're coming here to the National Capital Region for the uh, Challenge de Curling de Gatineau. la. Which used to be the casino spiel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here locally, very big spiel. It's the spiel that uh, Jean-Michel Menard um, has won a bunch. Oh, yeah. And I would say he's probably the biggest star at that spiel because he's the local guy here, and uh, everyone loves to see him play well at that event. And from there, they're hoping to qualify for the Masters, the first Grand Slam that they have on their schedule, out in Truro, Nova Scotia. Uh, And then they're hoping to play... Uh, in the Tour Challenge, a few weeks later,
1: um, yeah, either in the Tier in One Bay. or Tier Two, based on how they do in the first. And they'll uh,
0: definitely play in at least the Tier Two. You'd think yeah. they'll they'll definitely get that, and that's in Thunder Bay. So that's another one where, so if you look at the, the schedule here, they're gonna play October twelve to fifteen in Manitoba. Then they're coming eighteenth to twenty first in Gatineau. If they qualify for Truro. 23rd to the 28th and then the tour challenges in thunder bay starts on the 6th i would assume you go home there because to get from winnipeg the winnipeg area uh, back to thunder bay is not really hard it's not a a long trip so you would go home there Mm -hmm. but if you're in truro maybe you don't go home i don't know but that's a lot of time on the road Leading into that tour challenge,
1: yeah, it'd be another another four weeks there on the road. Uh, so it's not uh, not easy. And then you know a, a little break for that uh, long weekend for Remembrance Day. If you work for the government, for those of you who get it, yeah, out uh, west we got it no matter what. So okay, uh, and then all the way out to Penticton for the Ashley Home Store Curling Classic. So. They're sort of, uh, they're hitting all coasts, getting all the the experience in that they can. Yeah, that's the event that
0: stood out to me in looking at their schedule. That's a little bit strange, yeah. It's sort of, yeah, everything else is kind of made sense. But to go out to BC for one event, because they have nothing else scheduled out there, Mm -hmm. unless there's something else that they're going out for, practice ice, maybe there's a personal thing for one or two of the guys out there, that there's reason to be out in Penticton. This one stands out to me as I, have if you just look at the schedule construction, this is the one that doesn't make that much sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're not wrong to be to be honest. But hey, uh, Penticton's beauty uh, even yeah. in November it's pretty nice. So. Uh, Why not go out there? And then after that, there's the Canada Cup, which again we don't know about. The Boost National, the the next Grand Slam, and that one's in Conception Bay in Newfoundland. That's going to be a a trek for anybody, no matter for everyone. And the thing is, everyone who
0: plays in the Canada Cup will have qualified for the Boost National. And the Canada Cup ends on December 9th, and this Grand Slam starts on the 11th. So you're going from Estevan, Saskatchewan, which is not. That far away from Regina. No, it's like, not. It's An it's hour not, and a half? Yeah, it's not that far of a drive. But still, it, it, you know, you got to drive to Regina. And there's certainly no direct flights from Regina to St. John's. No. So no. you're going to have a, a, a two-flight situation, time change, and then to get to Conception Bay to play. Mm-hmm. That is a tough road to hoe for, I think, any team. And it's one of these things where, obviously, you want to win the Canada Cup. There's a lot of reasons to win the Canada Cup. Sure. But if you are out early in the Canada Cup, and you are, and the the Boost National is important to you, you're not really that crushed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the can you'd rather win the Canada Cup than the National? Let's be honest. Of course. But, it, that's a tough, really tough back to back.
1: Yeah, and we'll see if that changes uh, in the next couple of years with the prize for the Canada Cup being an automatic berth into the trials, whereas this year it's just a, a berth to the pre-trials.
0: Yeah, and, and I think it's great that the Grand Slams are going to Newfoundland. I think it's yeah really good idea. We saw how well it was supported in St. John's, and obviously Gushu's going to be the main attraction at this event. Really good, good idea. But having it start two days after uh, everyone's in Estevan, maybe not the greatest schedule wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like the Canadian Open and Golf happening after
0: the the British Open, right? Yeah it's not. It's like, oh
1: we've got to get on a flight and go
0: back. So And here's the thing. The Canadian Open, the Grand Slam and curling here, they're playing it in North Battleford. So from where I sit, you could have just put the Canadian Open in Conception Bay, and have the Boost National in North Battleford. I I understand I mean, what you mean. That uh, seems to me to make a little more sense, just logistically for everybody involved. But you know, I, I mean, the the Grand Slam is owned by Sportsnet, and Curling Canada doesn't really they don't coordinate mm-hmm. at all. But these things are these decisions are made well in advance. So I'm a little surprised by that, but.
1: Right, right. And so uh, the last event here for Dunstone before the season of champions gets started is the uh, the old Golden Wrench Classic down in Arizona. Yeah. The Ed Wernick Spiel. And, uh,
0: this is increasingly popular.
1: Yeah, it's a really popular one. It's sort of the last tune-up before provincial playdowns for everybody. Uh, again, it's a couple of weeks after that Canadian Open. Uh, they've got the Continental Cup the weekend in between. And then also what happens is the teams that go to the Continental Cup You know, down in Vegas, a lot of them will say, "Okay, well, we're down here." They just slide over to uh, to Tempe, yep, and play in that Golden Wrench Classic. So it's a pretty popular spiel. There's a lot of top teams that get going down there, and. Uh, it's good to see Team Dunstone uh, taking
0: advantage. Yeah, and I would say more teams from the western part of the country yep. than certainly the eastern part of the country have played in that in the past. I feel like John Epping's which, played in it. and Yeah, I, I think Pat Simmons has won it yeah. uh, in the past. Uh, Mike, Mike McEwen McKeown. has played in it. So definitely a very popular spiel down there in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, as both of you and I have experienced, Scott, you know, the middle part of a uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta, or you know, even Manitoba winter, someone says to you, you can go play in Tempe, Arizona. Oh, yeah. You are not going to turn that opportunity down. Absolutely not. You don't
1: want to uh, miss out on that opportunity for yeah. sure.
0: Uh, and then, of course, the they have the men's provincials listed. Uh, be shocked if they don't qualify for that. Out in Whitewood, Saskatchewan, I'll admit that I don't know where it is. I mean, lived in Saskatchewan. I'm not overly familiar with Whitewood. Saskatchewan, and then the Briar is in Brandon, Manitoba.
1: Yeah, yeah, so a couple events close to home for this Team Dunstone, but Sean, uh, we can't forget that Team Dunstone is going to have uh, some competition in Saskatchewan.
0: Very much so, so that's the other team that we have selected to look at their schedule. Team Myers, the team that is made up of Kirkendall and Myers, They've teamed up with the other brother duo uh, to play in the middle positions. I think Dallin is still going to play lead. Kirk is moving to skip. So the all-brother team of Team Myers, they also have a very aggressive schedule that is not completely dissimilar to what Team Dunstone's doing, but some pretty interesting changes, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, like you say, it's pretty similar at the start. You know, uh, the icebreaker is the same. They're going to play in the Stu Oakville Classic, uh, so they're missing that Oakville Fall Classic as Team Dunstone is playing.
0: And that's I, I find that interesting for them to fly into Oakville for the one event and not the second.
1: Well, you know, it's Labor Day weekend, so maybe they got plans to go to the cottage. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> But what's, what's interesting to me is they've got an event listed here on the 20th to 23rd of September, the College Restoration Curling Classic back yep. in Saskatoon, and then they're coming back to Toronto for this Ducel's Toronto Classic. So yeah. they're going to play uh, in Winnipeg, then Oakville, then Saskatoon, then Toronto, Yeah, then back to Portage for the Canadiens, uh Classic. And then hope to qualify for that Grand Slam, the Masters, out in Truro. Right. So this is sort of back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Then the DeKalb Super Spiel, that's in Morris, uh, Manitoba. That one's pretty popular. Then the Grand Slam, that Tour Challenge uh, event in Thunder Bay. Then out to Penticton for that same Ashley Home Store event. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they've got listed here, again, the Canada Cup and the Grand Slam, the Boost National. So they seem to be crisscrossing the country yeah uh, on this sort of schedule yeah. they they only play back to back weeks uh that the Toronto cells in October and then the Canadiens the next week in Portage and and then if they qualify for the event in Truro that'll be that'll uh, be a, a week later yeah. so so i mean this is a pretty ambitious schedule uh, it seems a little bit more haphazard than the Dunstone schedule but uh, Matt Dunstone's team could be, you know, could be going home in between right events so, anyway. Yeah, so. but
0: yeah, this is yeah. So it does seem a little more all over the place in that what we've seen from the other three teams that we've talked about, really, uh, maybe Holly Duncan's, maybe not as much, but that the schedule was clearly there's a clear narrative to it, in that you know you're you're going to a place, you'll spend a, a more than just four days there, you try and make the most out of Getting on plane, yeah. And you're gonna go. You're gonna spend a little more time there, playing a couple of events. These guys are not playing more than one event per trip. It which, seems that way, yeah. Which I get, but it does strike me as maybe not the most efficient way to, to go about it. And for these guys, I would just say that Matt Dunstone's schedule is more aggressive I than think so, what this yeah. schedule is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have the Tempe event. This Penticton event, we'll have to pay attention to this when it comes up. Uh, obviously, this is something is a major... Some, something is important going on in Penticton that weekend. Game of Stones um, road trip, Sean? Let's see. Hey. You know, uh, if Ashley Home Store Home Store wants to give us a call... We are always interested in uh, having people pay for us to go places to do the show. Heck yeah. Uh, I've been trying
1: to get out to BC for a while. So so,
0: uh, so that that is an event that strikes me as, as rather interesting. Uh, I'll have to certainly pay attention to it. And otherwise, yeah, it's just sort of, I don't want to say haphazard or disorganized or anything like that. It's just a very different strategy mm-hmm. from what we've seen from the other teams.
1: Yeah, it's a different strategy, and of course uh, everything is dependent on the players on the team, right? Maybe yeah. they've got to come back to go to work. Uh, who knows, right? So yeah, there's all sorts of personal commitments and uh, and whatnot that goes into making a schedule.
0: Yeah, and we can't forget either that uh, Kirk Myers has mixed doubles responsibilities now mm-hmm. to play with Laura Walker. That's right. And uh, after they won the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championships last year. Mm-hmm. They will be playing in one of the World Cup events, together, uh, as the yeah. two of them together. They'll certainly be playing in the national championships, I'm sure they're getting funded. So I'm sure part of this schedule is designed around his need to have time to go play in those events as well. Oh, for sure. So that would be part of this uh, for him. So. You know, if we look at this as just a Team Myers schedule, maybe it seems like, wow, they're going to fly and come back, whereas other teams don't do that. Maybe there are some mixed doubles things that he's going to be playing in. Mm -hmm. Certainly the events in Oakville, Laura Walker would be there with her team. Uh, I imagine we haven't looked at their schedule yet, but I'm sure she'll be there. At the very least, they could practice, do whatever. So I wonder how much coordination there was on those two fronts to yeah. see if they could be in the same place at the same time, whether it's to play in a quick mixed doubles spiel or just to get some practice time.
1: Yeah, and it's a crazy world that we live in now. we got to think about all these things, about uh, mixed doubles. Uh, we got to think Olympic cycle, uh, World Cup. There's so many events that we've got to consider uh-huh. uh, on the schedule this year that's different than it has been for the last couple Olympic cycles. So. For sure.
0: So if you look at the dunstone Myers schedule, would you say that one is – do you think better suited in prepping for those Saskatchewan playdowns?
1: Well, the Dunstone schedule, like I said, it goes really aggressive at the start and I like that strategy to try and build up a, a base of money that can, and to build up points to get it into these Grand Slam events, right? Yeah. So, uh, by taking that strategy, they're positioning themselves well to do that. I think Kirk Myers' team is, is also doing a good job. It's maybe a little less aggressive, like you said, but What's great to me, uh, out of everything from talking about all this, is how many sponsors all of these teams have. Yeah. There's a lot of money available f- for them to be able to go and do these spills. So to me, that's the most heartening thing is that, yeah, these teams are like are really good teams. They're national-level teams and players, but they're not at the level of, of, say, Kevin Cooey or Brad Gushu or Brad Jacobs, right? They're just not of the same notoriety. Right. But it's great to see that they're still able to get a lot of money from sponsors and be able to go to these events and win money to help them uh, pursue their curling dreams.
0: Right, and this is how they're going to get to that level. Yeah, 100%. just by playing. And we talked last week about, you know, the the World Cup and who gets picked and the money and how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. This is a, a sign that I don't think it's an even playing field in terms of the resources. Nor, no. if, frankly, should it be. No, um, I, you know, the the better teams have more access to resources and i think that's warranted right in in a lot of ways but here here but we you don't want other teams to be shut out from an opportunity and Mm -hmm. these these are two schedules that demonstrate that people have an opportunity i think the carrie galusha schedule as well is very uh very optimistic in terms of the availability of resources to teams yeah who are not at that top tier exactly it's i think it's really awesome uh and i wish all of these
1: teams good luck i'm gonna try to go to that uh, royal lepage in kempville yep let's make a point to go out to gatineau too
0: yeah we should i've always wanted i've never gone to it but apparently it's a really good time
1: yeah it should be fun and i'm sure we'll there'll be people from the curling club going so we'll put our uh feelers out and see if anybody wants to watch
0: a game maybe uh, record a pod there you go so uh So there you go. So those are four schedules of, of some of the teams that we found really interesting, you know, as, as teams continue to announce, you can look at their schedules, see how they're, they're mapped out. And I, I love the logistics of these things. (laughs) I really do just in terms of who's going to be, who flies, where, how you organize it. Now with the mixed doubles responsibilities, as we Mm -hmm. talked about, and then the personal responsibilities that everyone has, whether it be family or employment or whatever it is, finding that balance and, uh, how it all works out in the end. So putting these schedules together is actually an extraordinarily difficult task. So it's, it's fun for me uh, to, to look at the final product once it comes out. And one of the things, of course, about curlers, Scott, is that in the summer when you know offices are empty or half empty with people not really being there, taking their vacation time, these curlers in there <laughs> working hard so that they can get the time off they need you know to it. fulfill these schedules. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm doing this summer, Sean. I'm, I'm working hard so I can get time off to go to spiels.
0: There you go. Win some money, right? Hey, there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there you have it. That's our little breakdown of some curling schedules. Let us know what you think in the comments. You can also get in touch with us via email game of podcast at gmail.com on twitter it's at game of stones pod scott is at scott Likes tv i am at dr shawnee fever please do subscribe to the show if you have not yet on itunes google play stitcher wherever it is you get your podcast give us a like and a rating and let us know what you want to hear as we get into the curling season and we get back into the flow of breaking down some games teams and what happens on the ice yeah i'm looking forward to uh, getting some teams on the ice and breaking it down Jeff. there you go so next week we'll be back we have a, a fun episode next week for you that i'm not going to spoil because i'm very excited about it but next week we have a fun show for you as we continue to prepare for the return of curling which we have all been so excited for for no other reason that i've been sweating for two months straight <laughs> so, uh, so until we talk to you then next week Keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert